Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC heads to New York City, Madison Square Garden, for an absolute banger of a main event between Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal for the Bad Motherfucker title. That's right, the Baddest Motherfucker title is on the line on a card that is Filled with bad motherfuckers too. If you're looking at it top to bottom, this is one of the most stacked cards in recent memory. And me and Shockwave Dave will be breaking down our three favorite fights on the card as part of our three fights, one parlay and one dog segment. We'll also be giving you that parlay that we think you should play and an underdog to keep your eye on and maybe lay a little wager on them as well. Plus, we have got interviews with three fighters who are fighting on this card. We're going to be talking to Edmund Shabazian, Chancer Encounter, and Shane Burgos, all as they get ready for their very big fights in efforts to move up their respective divisions. But before we get to any of that great content, this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by A Story About a Fight by Rumination Films. A Story About a Fight is a short action drama about the sport that we all love so much, MMA. The story takes you from an up-and-comer as he gets ready for a fight against a tough opponent being trained by his own father. That's right, being trained by his own father. Now, I personally am so excited because, first of all, we're getting another film about MMA. I've always said that we should have more MMA films out there. You know, boxing's got the Rocky movies and everything else. MMA needs more of that. But not only am I excited because we're getting more of it, but we are getting it done by MMA fans and people who train MMA. That's right. The director and cinematographer, as well as the lead actor, are both people who love MMA and train in MMA. So we're going to get an authentic picture of what MMA looks like in the cage, on the silver screen, and I couldn't be more excited. And if you're as excited as me, check out their Indiegogo campaign and support the project. You can go to Indiegogo.com and search for A Story About a Fight, or you can also check out our pinned tweet in our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA, or you can check them out at Twitter, at A Story of Fight. A Story About a Fight from Rumination Films brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Breland from Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Edwin Shabazian, who fights Brad Tavares at UFC 244 this upcoming weekend. So, Edmund, you're only 21 years old. You're now number 13 in the world. How did you get your start in training, and how early was it? Uh, you know, I got started at training at 10 years old. It was with karate, you know. I started with karate, and then um, I slowly started like combining everything together. I started doing um, kickboxing, then boxing, then grappling. Like I started combining everything together, and um, MMA was getting so popular, so um, that was the right thing to do, you know, to be to be good everywhere. And, and and at what time did you decide that MMA was an actual career path for you? Um, whenever, like, after my first competition that I won in grappling, uh, my brother and I both uh, just fell in love with the sport. You know, we're like, we're gonna do this. We're and- gonna do this forever. And was this a, at this time, were you at Glendale Fight Club or were you somewhere else training? No, I started at Glendale Fight Club. Okay, so, so you've been there for, at this time, over a decade. So you had to have been there right in the midst of, you know, everything that was, you know, Rousey Mania. How much of that was an influence on you uh, as far as MMA goes? Oh, it was a big influence, you know, having Ronda 
um, and how popular she was getting and how much work she was putting in and seeing that firsthand uh, was just incredible and motivational for me, you know, and it inspired, inspired me to work, keep working hard and believe in myself to achieve my goals. And, and you know, like you said, you, you got to see her working out being at the same gym as her. Was there ever any training with her as well? Was she the type of person who, who would, you know, help you out with things or, or show you things? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, when I was younger, she would, she would always show us things when she was training and, like, help us improve our ground game. And we would spar together. She would, like, work with me, like, a lot of things. You know, she, she helped us a lot. That, that's absolutely awesome and, and always good to hear from, a, you know, such a superstar. Was there ever any special advice that she you, she gave you that you remember or, or might have helped you down this path as well? Uh, I think most of what she said or helped me with would be special advice, you know. Uh, everything she said is she always leaves such positive energy when she she's in the room. So everything she really does or says is, like, incredible. So almost everything. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. Now, I want to talk about your division a little bit because you're rising it up really quick. You're now number 13 in the world. And, and there's another guy who's now at the top of your division who also moved up the division really quickly. You know, Israel Adesanya was only in the UFC for about a year before he got his first title shot. You've been in here about a year too. You're all the way up to number 13. Are you looking for a quick movement like Israel had? Um, Honestly, I'm taking it fight by fight, but I know that the UFC, once you're winning, once you're doing good, it's, it's a fast track, you know, in the UFC and they're going to keep bumping you up and fighting better and better competition. So, uh, I expect it, you know, I expect it, uh, the way I'm performing, I definitely expect it. And I'm working hard towards it. I'm, I, I know that I'm going to face more and more better competition every single fight. So I, I prepare myself that way and just prepare myself to be the best. And obviously, speaking of the best, you know, Israel Adesanya, top of your division right now, it would be wrong of me not to ask if you've thought about him as a potential opponent in the near future, and sort of what do you think about him as a champion? Oh, yeah, of course, you know, I think he's a great champion, you know, he's a very slick fighter, um, has good movement. Um, that being said, you know, um, I want to be the youngest champion, and one fight at a time, I'm going to get there. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about your next fight because you are super focused on this one. You got Brad Tavares next, who is kind of a guy who's been in the, the UFC middleweight rankings pretty much since they came out, it seems like. You know, he's right there at the edge of the top 10. What do you think about him as an opponent this upcoming weekend? You know, I think I think he's a tough, durable opponent, a veteran in, in the sport. But I think um, I'm, I'm the new breed of MMA and, you know, I bring in all the tools to this sport, and I believe like um, my game matches up very well against him, and matches up well against most of the guys in the division, you know. And I, I see myself beating him. I know he's a great opponent, been um, in the top 15 for a long time, but that doesn't matter for me, you know. I come in there to do my job, and my job is to get the victory as always. And you said in there, too, that you feel like you match up really well with everybody in the division. Is, is there an aspect of your game, or is there something that you do that you feel makes you match up well with all of them? Um, I think it's the combination of me um, just training training all the aspects of the sport growing up, you know, competing in all the aspects. I think that, that makes a significant difference in in comparison to all the other fighters. 
Absolutely. And now, if all goes well for you this upcoming weekend, you're going to be 3 and 0 in 2019. Uh, you'll be 4-0 overall in the UFC, but 3-0 and in this past year, you'll be ranked most likely in the top 10. Is that sort of where you saw yourself at the beginning of this year, or, you know, is this sort of come as a surprise at how quick you've moved up? Uh, yeah, you know, no, I expected it, you know, like, the way, the way I'm performing in the fights, I, I knew it was going to come like this, and I'm just blessed for the opportunities that are coming, and uh, I'm taking it, you know, one fight at a time, and I'm just happy to be where I'm at. And, and I love the attitude of taking it one fight at a time. But you know, obviously, you're stepping in, especially if you win this one against Brad Tavares. You're stepping into 2020 with a four-fight win streak in the UFC or five-fight win streak in the UFC. Uh, you know, a- absolutely steamrolling people. Do you have goals for for the 2020 year? That do you have a place where you would like to see yourself this time next year? Um. I just want to keep uh, performing the way I'm performing, you know, um, and stay active, you know, staying active is key, I believe. And um, I've had already four fights in in one calendar year. So this is going to be my fourth fight in one calendar year. So um, I love staying active because I'm young and I'm always improving, you know. Uh, I I believe I'll get another fight in three, four months, you know. That's how often I'd like to get back in there and do work, keep doing work because I reached until I reach my goal of being the champion. All right. Well, we'd certainly like to see you in there as much as physically possible. But before we do that, we, of course, are going to be watching you this weekend. Once again, this was Edmund Shabazian, who fights Brad Tavares at UFC 244 this upcoming weekend. Edmund, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Shane Burgos, who fights Maquan Amir Khani at UFC 244 this upcoming weekend. And Shane, I, I wanted to start by talking about your opponent, because Maquan Amir Khani, he- he's quite the personality. Uh, he's cut some pretty memorable post-fight interviews, a little bit of smack talk here and there. He does backflips on his way into the cage. What are your personal opinions about his sort of shtick? Uh... I guess it's going to bring more eyeballs to the fight. It's not my cup of tea, but um, it's going to make me want to beat him up even more. It's pretty funny, so that's how good it is. Well, I was going to ask you, too. Yeah, does it give you extra motivation going into the fight with something, you know, at least seemingly personal on the line, or is it just, you know, the the extra eyeballs give you a reason to want to perform more? I mean, I'm a competitor, so, I mean, I want to win no matter what. If, whether he's a dick or whether he's cool, it doesn't really matter. But um, him trying to be brash and cocky that's just going to add more fuel to the fire for sure absolutely now going go, coming off of a win over cub swanson you're, you're number 12 in your division cub swanson just had a big win himself beat cron gracie what was your initial thoughts when they came to you with an unranked name like makwan americani i was surprised at first um i really expected to get somebody ranked but obviously come up with a big win over cub but uh no sweat off my back at the end of the day. At the end of the day, we're, we're all fighters fighting the best fighters in the world under under the U.S. brand. So um, I'm not going to pick and choose. Mm. And I got family to provide for. So it's business. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about the style of the fight a little bit, too, because he, he's kind of an interesting style matchup for you. You know, he's seen as more of a grappler. Uh, he's he's really risky with his grappling style, dives onto things. He's also risky with his strikes, you know, flying knees, things like that. How, how do you think your style plays against a, a risky sort of fighter like that? I think it plays great. I, I, I think this is a similar fight to the to the Pepe fight when I fought Pepe um, back in Long Island. So the guy, he'll throw flying knees, spinning hook kicks, 
big overhands and uh, jump guard, jump jump triangles. Uh, I think uh, Macron's a lot better than Pepe, but on the feet, I think he's uh, pretty similar. And uh, I think once I start tagging him up and he, he starts exchange, if he if he exchanges with me for too long, it's gonna be it's gonna be bad. But after the first exchange, I really think he's gonna start shooting and not stop shooting, honestly. But um, I like my my odds and I like my takedown defense. So I'm gonna put pressure on this guy, and if he makes it to the third round, I feel like I'm gonna drown him. And, and I was going to ask you that, too. Have you put any extra stock in your preparation of takedown defenses, knowing that you, you already feel like he can't stand with you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, but I'll, I'm always doing that. Like, I don't ever want anyone to take me down, so I'm always doing that. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely working on my takedown defense hard. But not just my takedown defense, my, my conditioning, my cardio is through the roof of this fight. So I'm going to push a pace. And, like I said, if he's not, if he's not in shape, it's going to be a bad, bad night for him. All right, so I want to talk about some fights in the future, too, because obviously we've got this one in front of us, but, uh, you know, you're, you're moving up the division pretty quickly. A name that's right ahead of you in the rankings right now is Calvin Cater, who who I feel like you're going to be tied to for a long time. He's your only loss on your record. It, it was a really exciting fight, a completely memorable fight. How important is it you to you down the road to get another fight with him? Yeah, of course I want that back. What 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 fighter wouldn't want to rematch with the, like, the only guy to beat him? So uh, it's nothing personal, but yeah, I want that one back for, for myself. Um, he's doing good, though. I'm happy. I'm always rooting for him. I want him to beat everybody, and then we can fight again, and it'll be a, a even bigger fight. But uh, yeah, you got that big fight the week after mine in uh, in Moscow. I'm rooting for him. That's interesting too that you're rooting for him. It, it's sort of so that you you like him because you're rooting for him, or do you just like to see, you know, him being the only one who, who beat you, you would like to see him be, like, a credible opponent? Both. I mean, he was a cool guy. I had nothing but respect for him. He was respectful to me. Um, and then on top of that, he, he's, the more he wins, the better I look. You know what I mean, I didn't lose to, to, to no punk or anything like that. The guy is good. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's talk about the event you're on here, too, because it's an absolute banger of a card. You're fighting at UFC 244, which is seen as, like, maybe one of the most stacked cards of the year, or, or in, you know, recent memory, for that matter. Uh, how much special, more special is it for you to have two teammates with you on the card? Yeah, man, it's awesome. This card is definitely the, the, the most stacked card in a, in a long, long time, so I'm glad to be on this card, but um, have my teammates on it, and basically do a repeat of what we did last year because the same, the same two guys were on the card with me last year. It's, it's awesome. I, it's, been, it's made training a lot more fun, honestly. I like when we get a couple guys in the card. We're all training for the same day, same goal. We're all getting ready for war. It's awesome. And is that because you know you, you're you're all in the same boat, like you all feel the same way, or is it also because it helps you training partner wise because they're all peaking at the same time? It's both, both. That's a great way to look at it. Like Julio has been uh, a huge help this camp. He's been my one of my main training partners because stylistically we met, our opponents match up with our own styles. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's fighting a striker. He's, he's fighting a striker, and I'm fighting a, a grappler. So it kind of just worked out. I lefty too. That's certainly awesome. Now, obviously, the event is huge, not just because it's got a bunch of Tiger Showman guys on it, but also because the main event is an absolute banger. Uh, what are sort of your thoughts on this main event between Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal, as long as nothing crazy happens? And how do you think that one goes down? I'm just happy the fight's actually going down still. I'm, I got me nervous for a second there. <laughs> um, but it's, a, it's a, one of those fights, man. You, you play this fight out a million times, and a million times it's going to be exciting. It's, a, it's an awesome fight. It's going to be crazy. I, I don't know who's going to win it. I'm, I'm leaning towards Masvidal by decision. That's the only thing I'm, I'm pretty confident in. Both the guys are durable, so I'm definitely seeing the decision. I just don't. I'm leaning towards 
Coach Moss is all about efficiency. I think he he'll, he'll mix it up a little bit more with his uh, his low kick. And also, how do you feel about being on this card, you know, you know, apart from having your teammates and apart from this main event, how do you feel about being on this card with so much hype behind it? Do you see it as an extra opportunity for yourself? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking to – everyone's watching this card. Everyone's going to be watching this card, so I'm looking to, to make a statement. I got a great spot on the card. I'm looking to steal the show and, and close out the show. Absolutely. And you said you're looking to make a statement. I usually got to ask, how do you see this fight going down? Give me a prediction. Uh, I'm finishing him. I don't, I don't know exactly how, but it's going to be a knockout or a submission. I'm, I'm finishing this fight. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This was Shane Burgos, who fights Mach 1 Amira County at UFC 244 this upcoming weekend. Shane, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. No problem, man. Have a good one. Thanks for having me on. And those interviews with Edmund Shabazian and Shane Burgos are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiasts. So if you train in any martial art, I suggest going to whatever app store you use and finding the Maroon Social app and downloading that bad boy right now. Because what you can do with that app once you've set up your profile is that you can log every single training session that you do in whatever martial art you do. Whether it's judo, boxing, jiu-jitsu, it doesn't matter. So you log all of your training sessions and the app automatically lets you know whether you're doing more work week to week or less work week to week. More work month to month or less work month to month. And that way you can track your progress and make sure you're making the gains that you want. Plus there's also other great features where you can log your competitions, talk to friends, and all kinds of other things. So check them out. Maroon Social. Now I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I don't know about you, but I'm always a little touched when I hear about MMA superstars taking the time to work with young kids or young teens. How about you? Yeah, it's such a cool fighting origin story when you can say as a 13-year-old, you know, sparring with Ronda Rousey, now he's in the UFC. I encourage everyone to go to our Twitter where we posted a photo this week. Uh, bringing attention to a sparring session that you could see him in uh, with Ronda Rousey. Just a very cool story all around, right? Yeah, all the way back to UFC 157. I think he was, if I remember correctly, 15 years old in front of that many people. So he, he's sort of been being groomed for a moment of fighting at MSG for a long time. Um, and, and against Brad Tavares, I mean, I think that this is an exciting matchup that'll catapult him up the rankings pretty quick. All right, well, it is time for our favorite segment on the show. We've had a lot of segments on our show, and we've now finally found the child we love the most. Our favorite <laughs> segment on the show, fights, dogs, and parlays. We get you ready for all the gambling action that's going on this week at UFC 244 from the world's most famous blah, blah, blah. Gumby, does any fine company sponsor fights, dogs, and parlays? Yeah, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Rampage Coffee. Head to rampagecoffee.com. Make sure to use promo code TURTLE20 for 20% off all your coffee purchases. And this coffee will get you up off your couch and into the gym. Because let me tell you something. Their C4 brand of coffee has four times the normal amount of coffee. The coffee that you get in a regular cup. And if caffeine is not your thing, check out their regular medium blends and their dark roast blend as well at rampagecoffee.com. I am four times as excited for this card this week as for a normal card. It, of course, is headlined by a make-believe WWE-esque uh, BMF title, which stands for Bad Motherfucker, if you're unaware. It's the dorkiest shit. Uh, it's the two like most real, most badass fighters 
taking part in like the silliest thing the UFC <laughs> has ever done. And I love every fucking second of it. I think it's hilarious that The Rock might be in the octagon to present someone with a belt. At least that's the rumor on the street. It's so fucking nerdy. Whatever. Uh, Nate Diaz is coming off of a beautiful performance, a unanimous decision victory over Anthony Pettis. Uh, that was back in August. So quick turnaround for Nate after sitting on his couch for about three months or three years <laughs> post Conor McGregor uh, sequel fight. Jorge Masvidal has never been hotter as a property in MMA, as a brand, if you will. Everyone knows his name because he had maybe now the most iconic UFC knockout of all time, the fastest UFC knockout of all time, two and a half, three seconds tops, knee to the face of Ben Askren, sent him into the upside down world and Stranger Things, sent him into another dimension. It was replayed over and over again on ESPN, SportsCenter, uh, anywhere a highlight could be found, shared on social media probably 70 billion times. Masvidal, the minus 185 favorite, Diaz, the plus 160 dog. This fight is taking place at 170 pounds. Who you got? I actually am, and this is going to be probably a first for me. I'm taking Nate Diaz in this fight, uh, and for a bunch of different reasons. I think the line is a little bit inflated for Jorge Masvidal based on that knockout that you mentioned, along with the knockout of Darren Till. I think people are really high on him because he got two back-to-back knockouts. It's been a long time since we've seen Nate get knocked out. Nate knows how to take a punch. Nate rolls with punches really well. And if you go back and look at Masvidal against guys who are are really prolific strikers, who throw lots of strikes and are very technical in the strikes that they throw, he's had difficulty. Look, look at his fight with Steven Thompson. In that fight, he was outstruck 70-42, to 42, which is, is not all that dramatic, but he was clearly losing that fight most of the time. And on top of that, he he landed 42 of 142 strikes. So when somebody is good defensively in the stand-up against Jorge Masvidal, Masvidal has trouble landing, and I think that that's a problem for him here, too. You can also see similar problems in fights. I, I mean, like, he missed a lot of strikes in a fight against James Krause, if you go back. You know, like, James Krause almost outstruck him and did outstrike him in several rounds, and he, he missed over 100 strikes in that fight, too. So, like... For people who are technical, proficient stand-up guys, which Nate Diaz is, those types of people give Jorge Masvidal problems. And unless you really believe he's going to land the big knockout strike, I think Nate winning three out of five of these rounds en route to a decision is really, really likely in this case. All right. I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, I think Masvidal will take this. I think he'll take it via decision. Both guys are impossible to kill off. Uh, the last time we saw Diaz get knocked out, I think we're going on four years ago, head kick knockout loss to Josh Thompson. But more or less, Nate Diaz is a walking zombie. Just ask Conor McGregor about that. Although McGregor was able to knock him down a few times in the sequel. Uh, Masvidal has never been finished in the UFC. Nate Diaz, I do not believe, will be the person to do it. I think this goes the decision. I think Masvidal takes three out of five rounds. The other thing I like about Masvidal is Nate really has to collectively add up on his shots to even have a chance of knocking you out. Masvidal has more power, in my opinion. Of course, famous for the three-piece and a soda uh, combo, and he's certainly a puncher in bunches. But I do believe he actually is the, the I don't want to say better striker, I think he I think he has a better chance of knocking out Nate than Nate does of him. 
But like I said, I think it goes to decision. And I'll also say that he's a true 170 er whereas Nate, you know, I think at 170, he's what, 3-2? and 3-3? Three and three? He's a 500 fighter at 170. 170. Masvidal has only lost to the very tippy top uh, of the division. So for me, it's Masvidal. It's a great fight, though, uh, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I can't wait to see it either, too. But the one thing I will say about Nate Diaz, if we're talking about him, you know, sort of at 170, is is we haven't seen him at that in a very long time. You know, like, uh, with the exception of the, the recent Anthony Pettis fight, you know, like, it, and, I, and I guess Conor McGregor, right? Like, Conor McGregor and Anthony Pettis, which I guess is three years before that. You know, well before that, he was fighting at lightweight. You'd have to go, like, you know way back to before his title shot to find him uh, again in, in welterweight. So for that reason, you know, I, I kind of think that, that Nate Diaz is kind of evolved in those sense. I think he's very different than he was in the way that we think about him at welterweight. And, and to be honest with you, you know, he did really well against a striker like Conor McGregor did really well against a striker like uh, Anthony Pettis. And I just don't feel like you can say the same thing about Masvidal. Well, I will also say for me, and I don't discount that. I mean, I agree with you. That's what makes this, you know, an absolutely amazing fight and matchmaking at the UFC. And that's just because both guys, I think, are – Nate is obviously a name and a star. He moves the needle, uh, to borrow a phrase from Dana White. And Masvidal is kind of at the peak of his drawing power, coming off the highlight reel KO of Astrid. So it was the right match to make at the right time. But from a technical standpoint – both guys, there's a lot of similarities there. You know, they don't necessarily have one-punch knockout power, but they're both great at throwing combos and bunches. Uh, Jorge Masvidal probably underrated submission defense. Survived with Damian Maia on his back for almost a full round. That doesn't get talked about enough. But one of the reasons I pick Masvidal here, though, is I do think he's peaking at the right time in his career. Mm-hmm. I think he's about 31 years old. He probably only, And he's been fighting professionally for 16 years. Started fighting in 2003 couple of street fight videos you can find on YouTube before that. <laughs> we probably don't have much more of peak Masvidal, maybe another year or two, maybe three fights, four fights at best. Uh, but this is peak Masvidal to me, and I feel like, he, you know, stringing together the Till win, the Astron win, I feel it's all coming together. We'll move on, though. Very exciting co-main event. Kelvin Gastelum is a minus 200 favorite over Darren Till, plus 170. Till coming up to 185 here. Funny how this is a co-main event. Both guys are actually coming off losses, but you almost have to excuse the loss for Gastelum. He lost the unanimous decision to Israel Adesanya back in the spring. Classic fight. Took a couple of rounds off Adesanya. Put Adesanya in trouble. Really the most trouble we've seen Adesanya in in his career. Before that, he reeled off wins over Jacques Array and Michael Bisping. So Gastelum, no shame in losing to the very top of the division, the champion, in Adesanya in a very classic fight. Uh, so you want to talk about someone peaking, I would say Gasolum is kind of peaking right now in his career. And he's going to fight Till, who's coming up to 185, who's coming off a loss to the aforementioned Jorge Masvidal via KO, the three-piece in Minnesota, aforementioned, and a loss to Tyron Woodley before that. So he's on a two-fight losing streak, coming up to a new division, trying to figure out what's what. Uh, I think he's claimed that, you know, he's rededicated himself. He's changed some things in his training. He's a plus 170 dog here. What do you think? Uh, I, I'm leaning Kelvin Gastelum, but this is a fight I've honestly gone back and forth on 
like a hundred times. The reason I'm leaning Kelvin Gaslam is he's a dude who's only been put away one time. And that was by arm triangle choke by Chris Weidman in, uh, in, in pretty much a home, home court advantage for Chris Weidman fight. Uh, I'm a little bit worried because he took all of those punches from Israel Adesanya and Part of me goes back and forth just on that aspect, being like, well, he can clearly take a punch, so that's a bonus here because he's against a a heavy puncher in Darren Till. And then I turn right around and I say, but he took all those punches too. So that's like the other thing that worries me a little bit about Calvin Gastelum in this is that he just is coming off an absolute war. What did that take out of him? And and for Darren Till, I, I go back and forth too because he's coming up a weight class and he was never a guy down to weight class that was going down to like body people up, you know, like to use his physicality. So like, I think moving up is going to be such an advantage for him. So honestly, I've been back and forth a bunch. I'm leaning towards Calvin Gastelum just because I think Till isn't going to be able to land that one punch that puts him away. And as a result, like Calvin winds up winning a decision. I also think the wrestling's there. Well, you know, Darren Till's got some really impressive defensive wrestling from time to time. I think the wrestling kid's probably there or putting him up against the cage is probably there and wearing him out. So I'm going to lead by to Calvin Gastelum, but I am not very comfortable in that pick. Yeah. Um, ditto here. I think, you know, I said this of when we were breaking down Yair Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens, and I said, I don't necessarily know. We know what Yair Rodriguez is yet per se. And I think we have a pretty good picture of it now. I wasn't sure if maybe we would see a different Yair who didn't want to fight off his back or do kind of wild shit that puts him in jeopardy. I think he's always just going to be that guy, but I wasn't exactly sure. I needed that, like, you know, I think we've talked about this before, Gumby. You want to get to, like, their sixth or seventh, potentially eighth fight in the UFC to really know what you have in a fighter. It's like now, when you say Jorge Masvidal fight, I know what to expect. Nate Diaz fight, I know what to expect. But with a younger fighter, that's tough. Now, Till, seemingly in the right weight class, I don't necessarily know what to expect. I want to see if there's any difference in the game. I also want to see if the wrestling improves. You know, we saw Tyron Woodley was able to kind of muscle him around, got him to the ground, Darce choked him. I'm interested to see someone who's a traditional, who finds some success in the lower levels of MMA, utilizing that striking, but then gets to the big leagues and finds that, you know, American wrestling, uh, submission grappling, it's a whole different ball game, and you kind of have to adjust on the fly and learn later in life. And I think that's the position Till was really in. Uh, you know, he's not a good grappler. Gasolum's going to come forward. If Gasolum want to get them up against the cage, make it like a dirty boxing, hat tip Randy Couture, he might be able to do that. Or maybe we see a brand new Till here, not, you know, dog tired from the massive weight cut he was putting himself through. So, that all being said, I lean Gastelum just like you based off what we've seen historically. But if you want to tell me we see a new Darren Till here that finds fresh life, kind of like a zombie on The Walking Dead at 185, I can see that too. Yeah, I can see it too. And and that's the reason. And there are so many fights on this card that are like that. I I feel like I just can't pick. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I can pick and what I'm so excited for. It's our next fight, which takes place, uh, or I should say involves really, I think someone who could be a star in the UFC, someone who all go out on the limb and say is going to be a star in the UFC. He might not have the flashy knockout style. Think of him more as like an American Habib Nurmagomedov, 
I of course, I of course, am talking about Gregor Gillespie. He's a minus 170 favorite over Kevin Lee, who's a plus 150 dog. Interesting matchmaking here because Kevin Lee is a great wrestler. I happen to believe Gregor Gillespie is a better wrestler. But it's interesting to me that the UFC would take this undefeated young fighter and kind of match him up with someone that has a lot of his same strength. I almost feel like they would have reserved this type of matchup for later in his career when he's a bigger known name. There's a lot of risk here. Maybe Kevin Lee neutralizes a lot of that wrestling and kind of pops an air in the balloon of Gregor Gillespie that's getting bigger and bigger. That's what makes this fight so great, though. Gillespie, as I said, undefeated in the UFC, coming off a TKO over Yancey Medeiros. Uh, he had an arm triangle choke over Vince Pichel before that, TKO over Jordan Rinaldi, uh, arm triangle off of Jason Gonzalez, uh, KO over Andrew Holbrook. So in his last five fights, he's finished all five of his opponents in the UFC, uh, two submissions, three KOs, just simply incredible. This is a future star of the division. Kevin Lee, once also thought to be a future star of the, of the division, once fought for an interim title against Tony Ferguson. He's on a two-fight losing streak. It's been tough going for him. He lost to Ally Quinta, the unanimous decision. He's coming off an arm triangle choke loss to Rafael Dos Anjos. Crossroads of Kevin Lee's career. He doesn't want to drop three in a row here. What happened? Uh, I'm going with Gregor Gillespie all the way here, and, and for a lot of reasons. One is that Kevin Lee in back-to-back fights has fought guys who can wrestle pretty decently. And, and in those fights, he's landed only 9 of 21 of his attempts at takedowns. One of the things about Kevin Lee you'll notice is he's a very he's a very basic striker. He, he knows how to put combinations together, but it's almost like he's following a playbook, and he doesn't vary those strikes very much like he'll throw the same one two combo or he'll throw the same you know hook leg kick combo and he's not very good at mixing those up he's good at doing exactly what his coach showed him and it seems like pretty much just that and when you look at what Gregor Gillespie does is Gregor Gillespie chains things together whether it's his wrestling or his strikes he does a phenomenal job at changing things together so I think he's just going to be too versatile and when Kevin Lee shoots in for those takedowns look Ally Aquinta stuffed him a bunch of times. Rafael Dos Anjos stuffed him 10 freaking times. Like, you mean to tell me you don't think Gregor Gillespie, who is, I believe, one of the more superior D1 wrestlers in the UFC, I just think that's going to be a hell of a time for Kevin Lee. And I think as a result, you know, like, this is going to be pretty one-sided. And, you know, Kevin Lee coming off an arm triangle defeat against Rafael Dos Anjos, I would not be surprised to see him back-to-back like that. Uh, it could be a tough night for Kevin Lee. No matter what happens, keep your fucking eyes on Gregor Gillespie. Buy stock now. Blue Horseshoe loves Gregor Gillespie. This is a man to watch. All right, it's time for our parlay of the week. You can take Wonder Boy, a minus 130 favorite. Pair them together with Shane Burgos, also a minus, uh, also a favorite, but minus 260. It would get you a plus 145. As a parlay, the two of them together, what do we like about this? So I, I like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson because I think people are selling him off after the Anthony Pettis loss. And, and I think that's just silly, especially because he did the smart thing. He took a lot of time off to let his brain heal so that that concussion doesn't compound if that is what he had, a concussion. So, you know, I, I like that he took the time off. And also he's facing a guy in Vicente Luque who's coming off a win over Mike Perry, but, like, I use win sort of soft. A lot of people believe Mike Perry won that fight. 
I definitely have to go back and watch it to be convinced that Mike Perry won the fight, but it was close enough that we're debating this. And if Mike Perry was too much of a striker, or even if he had anything in the grappling department for Vicente Luque, you have to feel bad about Vicente Luque fighting Wonderboy Thompson, right? Like, Mike Perry is a good striker. Mike Perry is not Wonderboy. And I think Wonderboy also is going to keep Vicente Luque away, because Vicente Luque is the type of person... Who, who can be kept away if you use your kicks in the right way. So I like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson for that reason. And Shane Burgos, he's going to be fighting Makwan Amirakani, who who is a good wrestler in his own right. But I just think, you know, Shane Burgos on his feet is such an underrated striker. He's coming off the win over Cub Swanson. I think Makwan Amirakani is an exciting prospect, but probably not the one here to beat Shane Burgos, who's only ever lost to Calvin Cater in his life. Um, so I, I like pairing these two together. And as I always say, if you can pair two guys who you're pretty confident are going to win together and get plus money, uh, you definitely got to make that play. All right. Our dog of the week. Our dog of the week. And there are a couple of dogs on this card, but the dog to play this week is Derek Lewis betting off only at a plus 110, so a very slight dog. But nonetheless, our dog of the week, he's fighting uh, Blagoj Ivanov, uh, but we like him here. Yeah, I like him here against Blagoj Ivanov because Ivanov is probably not the type of person who is going to take him out. You know, and, and if you think about, you know, all of your, your Derek Lewis fights, like Derek Lewis is not the type of guy to go to decision. Whereas Blagoj Ivanov is the type of guy who pretty much only wins by decision, which means he's going to have to hang around in the cage for 15 minutes with the Black Beast and not get knocked out. And, and as much as I like Blagoj Ivanov, and I think he's actually a really fun guy to watch in the heavyweight division right now, if you tell me that your only method to victory here is that you're going to have to to outlast and survive against Derek Lewis, I sort of lose my faith in you. And, and for the fact that we can get plus money on a heavyweight fight, too, where, uh, you know, I, I actually think the favorite should be Derek Lewis, uh, you know, I, I think that, that it's a smart play, even if the line is pretty close to even. Uh, with that being said, I also just want to shout out a couple other of the plus money guys out there, like Jennifer Maya betting off at plus money against Caitlin Jokagian at like plus 140 is kind of exciting. Chance Rancounter, who we're going to have on the show in a little bit at plus 110 is, is really exciting. Um, and I know people love uh, Johnny Walker, but like Corey Anderson betting off at plus money against Johnny Walker is pretty exciting too. So keep your eyes peeled on all of those, but our official pick is of course the Black Beast. That's our dog. This was Fight Dogs and Parlays. We hope you enjoyed it. Gumby, why don't we uh, get on with our next segment? And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We thank you, the fans, for listening in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We could also not do what we do without our sponsors. A story about a fight from Rumination Films, Maroon Social. Make sure to download the Maroon Social app. And, of course, Rampage Coffee. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. And want to remind you guys to check out our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. And before we let you go for this week, we did want to give you that one more interview. We have Chance Rencounter. He's getting ready to fight Lyman Good at UFC 244. So enjoy this interview, and we'll catch you next week. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Chance Rencounter, who fights Lyman Good at UFC 244 this weekend coming up. So, Chance, to start, you, you went out last time and absolutely dominated a guy who had a lot of hype behind him in Ismail Nardiev. 
How confident in that fight were you in your wrestling and that it would hold up against a guy with such an extensive wrestling background? Uh, honestly, I didn't know that his wrestling background that was that good. You know, I, I knew he was, uh, I didn't know much about his wrestling background at all, to tell you the truth. I thought people were playing tricks on me. I didn't know they had wrestling in Austria. So I knew I was, you know, tough and I knew I could uh, wrestle and wrestle with some of the best in the world over here. You know, I've trained with Phil Davis and wrestled with him every day. So I felt confident in it. Went out there and uh, took him down and held him down. And I knew it would be a, a big factor in that game. So, so you do go into that fight believing he would probably strike more? You know, you said that you thought people were messing with you, that, that he was a wrestler. Did, did you go in expecting sort of him looking to strike? Yeah, and all and all our and all the film that we watched, I mean, there wasn't much film on him, but uh, the, the previous fight where he beat uh, the Brazilian, he, uh, he you know, he did strike. He, he reversed him a couple times, but, you know, never went for the takedown. He's, he's uh, so like he's, he likes the... Uh, the highlight, you know, he always wants to highlight knockout, and that's what he did. And when he fought the, uh, I can't remember his name, but when he fought his previous opponent, and uh, so I felt like he was just a, you know, a, a well-rounded striker, and uh, I didn't think that he was going to try to wrestle me at all, and I felt like that was going to be a play a big, uh, play a big role in that fight. Well, and it certainly was, and it ended really impressively. Now, you said you're you're preparing for a guy who is ready for a highlight reel finish. You're fighting another guy who's preparing for a high light rail finish, too. You got Lyman Good in front of you, who's a guy who both of his wins in the UFC have come by pretty vicious knockout. Are you preparing in the same way that you prepared for Nardiev? Or he's obviously a slightly different kind of striker. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's always the same kind of game plan. You know, I, I'm not gonna, I don't want to say I'm gonna go out there and take people down. I want to set things up with my hands. That's where our takedowns come from. Is obviously, you know, strikes to our takedowns. So we're we're, we're you know we're we're going to play on our feet for a little bit and see where it goes. And hopefully my, my takedowns will be worried about it, you know, because obviously the cat's on the back now that I can wrestle. And hopefully that, uh, you know, he'll be worried about the takedown and then that'll set up my strikes a little bit better. and I can settle in with uh, Nardia. He, he came out flying, man. It was right off the bat. It was kicks, punches. He was no holds barred. And that's what we knew that guy would start fast. So I think Lyman, he takes a little more time. He's a little more methodical, more more strategic with his strikes and his kicks and stuff like that. So hopefully we can settle in and open up a little bit more. Yeah, and that certainly is a, a pretty key difference between the two. Now, I know you do some training at Alliance MMA. So leading into this fight, is there a person who you've sort of leaned on to be your, your Lyman good fill-in? Uh, no, we got, uh, we got plenty of guys in the gym that can, you know, and – that are, are, are top notch, you know, so there's not, not, not necessarily a certain one, but we, with all the guys, we have them, you know, pressuring forward, stalking me down and, uh, really putting the pressure on me. And that's what I feel like he does. And so, you know, I leave it all to my coaches and, and their, and their knowledge and, and their, their professional opinion for sure. And I just, you know, do what they say. And we've worked on the pressure of, you know, him coming forward. And that's what I feel like he does. And so we'll, we'll take it there and see what happens. So I really love that you're breaking down the way that these two, you know, guys who who sort of do lean on their striking maybe a little bit more uh, are very different, right? One being more methodical, one plugging forward, one, one just running at you. Is, is there a style you would rather fight? Because here, here you are as a guy who sort of sees himself as more of a grappler uh, fighting back-to-back strikers. Is there a style that you prefer to fight? Uh, Not really, you know. I mean, I, it's, a fight's a fight, man. It's so... I don't know. I feel like both of them are, are tough. I mean, any great striker is going to be tough to deal with, but I mean, I feel like my striking game is 
getting better day by day. So, you know, the more I'm out here, the more I'm training full-time and being able to incorporate myself into practice every single day uh, with some of the best coaches in the world, I feel like I'm getting better at my stand-up. So, you know, I think it's all going to play 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 a role in it, and for sure it's in mixed martial arts. We're not just out there. It's not a grappling match. It's just not, it's not a kickboxing match. So I think being able to incorporate both of them and be well-rounded is what's important in this fight. So I'm going to ask you a question about the way that you phrased that too, because in there you said, you know, being able to train full time. Is this a new sort of thing for you that you're you're able to put all of your energy into mixed martial arts, or, uh, you know, is is that just something you've been doing all the time? This is actually my first camp that I ever haven't had a, a a job. This will be the first one ever, so this is pretty exciting. This is it's great. Before I moved out, I've been out in California for an hour, or uh, sorry, for a year. So I've been out here for a year now, and uh, I've, I've had part-time jobs. And before that, I was working full-time. So I did change it up a little bit, and then now I can fully, you know, not stress about going to work, scheduling my practices around the work, or being there at a certain time. So now I can just totally worry about me and making my craft better and, and relaxing and getting plenty of rest and everything of that nature. So it is it's a different different world right now but i'm enjoying it and hopefully it'll 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 prove it uh saturday night yeah and that, that's certainly an exciting thing to hear too because you know you're making leaps and in, in bounds of gains as it were you know to know that now that you're putting even more effort into it and even more time into it is, is exciting as from a fan's perspective uh just out of curiosity what other types of jobs were you doing as you moved out there uh, i worked in a sandwich shop for a while i've been there prepping meat in the morning and uh doing that and then uh, I did a uh, strength and conditioning out, out of the Alliance. I did that at their gym for a while as well. So I had a couple little part-time jobs and I mean, they, they weren't nothing crazy, but I'd work a couple hours of the day and, you know, have to be there at a certain time. And it was just more the stress than anything. Yeah. Well, then, and... uh, then just training full time. Well, well, it's certainly good to hear that, that now you are training full-time, and, and that's an exciting piece. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the card, too, as itself, because we've talked about the fight, but UFC 244 is, you know, sort of shaping up to be an absolutely giant fight, and in it, you know, it's got this main event going on between Nate Diaz and uh, Jorge Masvidal is just an exciting banger. How excited are you to be on this card? And as a fan of MMA, if you are a fan of MMA, how excited are you for the main event? Uh, I'm extremely excited. The cards that they're putting me on, the UFC's put me on, I'm very, very blessed in that aspect because, I mean, I got to be on UFC Fight Week, the first ESPN card. We'll go back to the beginning of this year, the first ESPN card, the first, uh, or the UFC Fight Week, sorry, and then now I get to be on the New York Master Square Garden, or Master Square Garden card. That's what's more impressive to me than anything, like being able to perform a mask in the swimmer card. That's what's going to be crazy. And yes, of course, all the fights, there's a, man, there's a, the whole card st- stacked. I think the whole main card's all top 15 fighters. So it's amazing. And just to be on there and be, be around those guys is going to be amazing. And I fought on, uh, I fought with Mazadol and when he knocked out Ben, so I was there to see, witness that. And now I get to see him fight, uh, Nate Diaz. And now I've always been a fan of Nate. He's truly a gangster, so it's going to be an exciting fight. So I know fighters don't often like to predict their own fights because, you know, there's something taboo in it, and sometimes uh, they don't like to make predictions. But I will ask you for a, a prediction in that fight. Who do you like in that one? 
in the Nate Diaz Vendel. Yeah. That's a tough one. I think, I think if it goes to later round, I think Nate will get him, man. I think he's just, he's savvy and he's been in the wars and he knows, uh, he knows how to win fights. So, so like Nate will get him in the later rounds. All right, you heard it here first, folks. Now, this is Chance Rancounter, who fights Lyman Good at UFC 244. Chance, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you.